passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. AEW lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock and Wei Ting here with you on a Wednesday night, minutes after AEW Dynamite. Somehow we do this every week. The most stressful two hours of my week condensed into madness. But here we are as I sit here with my notes complete, a report up on the site from the legend John Ceno talking to Wei. I'm so uh, out of breath. That's that's all I can say. I mean, we we you know we, we've done these. I guess five minutes after after the show for quite a while now. I mean, for a long time it was 15 minutes after, and that enough that was already enough of a I think a workout. And then we just said, you know what? Let's <laughs> who needs the extra 10 minutes? Let's just try to go live right right away. I mean, we're, we're we might cut down the five and you know just go immediately live seconds after in the future. So. I know it's been over a decade of us lamenting the three-hour raws i will never give up on like the, the the nature of these dynamite shows and then when we uh record right right afterwards it was uh let me say last week it's kind of comforting to just kind of sit back <laughs> a very different viewing experience when i didn't have to write down anything i mean my goodness i was like nah, shows in good hands you guys you guys have the night to yourselves i enjoyed it it, it is a very fast-paced show yeah that's right well, welcome everybody that is in the uh, the YouTube uh, chat that are joining us live. Of course, we're live here after every Raw, every Dynamite, every SmackDown and Rampage. If you want to submit a super chat, you can do so throughout the show and we will make time at the end. If there's any news items we don't get to, you want to pick our brain about or share your thoughts, you are welcome to do so uh, with the super chat option as well. We will be getting to your feedback in the forum. But TikTok, everybody, the countdown is on. T-minus 24 hours until John Pollock steps foot into the Forbidden Podcast. I'm coming to MCU later, and I'm going to see you way later on Thursday night as we're chatting Guardians of the Galaxy, the Christmas special with 
W.H. Park. Yeah, of course. Many people will, will know that, John. I mean, you know, you and I have gone through every single movie of the MCU up until Endgame. And um, you stepped away eventually because you had better things to do with your life. Um, but, you know, in came WH Park to kind of fill your shoes and really uh, thus became a new, be, began a new chapter in MCU later. Well, now, really, we are assembling the past and the present because uh, we're getting your thoughts on the very lovely Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which uh, is airing this week or just aired last week, I, I should say, on a Disney Plus. Um, you are a holiday movie expert, John. So I'm looking forward to your thoughts on this. I don't know about that. I, I've watched some horrible ones this uh, this season. It is kind of a guilty pleasure. Me and my wife have this time of year is watching just all the terrible Hallmark movies. We are currently on a Freddie Prince Jr. film that is uh, something else. Uh, oh. We are about halfway through that one. So, um, yes. More more wrestling tie-ins. Tie I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It was, uh, yes. We'll be talking about Dave Bautista, of course, who, I mean, really, this is a starring vehicle. The the, the biggest role perhaps he's had um, in, in a Guardians, gal- uh, really any sort of Marvel franchise. He, he really the, is. The franchise that WWE didn't know if they could promote because might not be a big hit. Uh, yeah, they were kind of wrong. I mean, you know what? It's, we'll save that topic maybe for Thursday. But uh, a lot of thoughts about uh, the MCU, Dave Bautista, Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn, of course. That's all coming up on MCU later in the Post Wrestling Cafe. All right. So that's coming up on Thursday night. For Cafe members, it's a busy week. You're getting a... You're getting more bang for your buck this week because Tuesday night we put up Ask Away, 90 minutes. Um, I gave you everything I had voice-wise until I had nothing left in the tank. So that is, uh, that is currently up. A lot of, uh, a lot of widespread topics that, that we covered everything from Naomi joining the bloodline to way breaking down New Japan production. Um, what, how we, how we define fulfillment in our work, how we seek it out. Uh, imposter syndrome. I mean, we, we covered the gamut on this this uh, this wide array of topics. And we finally had Brandon from New Jersey's Kikitos. After many, much, much struggle, you will get our live review in this podcast on Ask Away. Uh, yes. Yeah. Also in the Post Wrestling Cafe. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought you were actually going to throw it at something else, John, because it is oh. only, we st- uh, not only is it uh, Guardians of the Galaxy coming out tomorrow, but you have one more day, 24 hours left, to save 25% off of all t-shirts at store.postwrestling.com. It is the end of Black Friday week, Cyber Week, whatever you want to call it. And uh, our latest sale, one of our rare sales over at store.postwrestling.com. Get a post-wrestling t-shirt, a WrestleNomics t-shirt, Long and Winding Royal Road t-shirt, the Rocky Maivia Picture Show t-shirt. We've sold a bunch of those actually recently. So um, thanks to all of you guys for supporting. And 24 hours left to take advantage of the sale. All right. We, uh, we appreciate everybody's uh, support over at store.postwrestling.com. So uh, lots of great stuff uh, coming up uh, in, in the coming days. So that will be on Thursday night. And uh, last note is uh, the NWA podcast will be live Saturday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time right here on the YouTube channel with Andrew, Nate and Chris going through a month's worth of news. Always a good time with those three as they uh, are closing down the year in, uh, in fashion here with uh, the NWA podcast. Live. Live, yes. Mm-hmm. What more could you ask for? It's uh, who are they going head to head with on on Saturday night? I guess uh, nine o'clock, uh, nine p.m. Eastern. What you tell me? Um, there, there is the the Triple A show is going down uh with, with Kane Velasquez, which I um, which I, I've got to say for all the uh, the attention, you would think 
Like, I haven't heard a peep about it this week, other than, you know, the announcement that he was doing the match. It doesn't seem there is a, a whole lot of uh, attention on this show that I'm sure AAA was hoping for. I mean, the attention, I, th- I think, would, would strictly be on, on the news topic, and I, I don't necessarily know if, if that's the type of story that would entice somebody to necessarily shell out money. Um, well, we'll see. All right, let's get into... Some news items. We don't have a ton. It mainly a lot of uh, ratings notes from the past couple of days because we've had delays based off of the uh, the holiday last week with Thanksgiving. So uh, let's quickly just go through things. Uh, the NXT number had just come out. Um, they were up three percent in viewers. It was six hundred and forty four thousand point one three in eighteen to forty nine. Uh, so they were thirty fifth for the night on cable. Um, interesting pattern that we saw um, last week with. Dynamite, and it continued with Rampage, which, albeit, was in a different time slot, but also with SmackDown, with Raw, with NXT. Like, female viewership was down for all of these shows. Like, NXT, women 18 to 49 were down 31%. Raw, down 25%. It was their lowest number of the year for women 18 to 49. Um, SmackDown, it, it was down. Rampage, it was down. Uh, I mean, it was something about this past week that it was like across the board that female viewership was down. Um, but not the case for, uh, male viewership, uh, Anyway, uh, an interesting pattern. We will see if it's this is a, a one week anomaly. Uh, Raw on Monday had the commercial free hour. So that certainly strengthened their first hour. They did overall, uh, a million six hundred and sixty eight thousand and a point four zero in the demo. So very similar to what they did the prior week. Uh, but when you look further, you know, it was a big first hour and then you had the drops throughout the rest of the show. Um, 27% dropout in viewership throughout the show. Uh, the first hour was the most watched hour of Raw since Monday Night Football came back. So that did work. But then there was the the larger than usual drop throughout the show. People had their fix for the hour and then it was uh, big declines throughout the rest. But as I and mentioned, I, it, I believe they like backloaded the commercials. Like, it, so it seemed to be yeah, an, an excessive amount uh, of commercials to sort of even things out. And they also mm-hmm. did this gimmick on NXT on Tuesday night where they were doing limited commercials and uh, like picture in picture, but again, it's hard uh, from if you're watching in Canada because we don't get uh, Sportsnet doesn't provide the picture in picture content, so we're relying on uh, Vic Joseph pitching to the picture in picture. But it seemed they were doing the limited amounts on Tuesday night as well. But um, again, male viewership was was very good for Raw, but it was like women eighteen to forty nine were down twenty five percent this week. Uh, down 26% in 18 to 34, so some big uh, drop-offs there. But overall, it was still Raw's highest viewership since October 17th uh, with overall viewership. And then SmackDown did 2,166,000 viewers and a .54. This was on Friday night show, which started 10 minutes late due to the uh, the Pac-10 or the Pac-12 coverage on Fox. So they were going up against, get this way, football on ABC, College basketball, and they lost out narrowly to how the Grinch stole Christmas. Ooh, wow! Yeah, yes, that, that's a juggernaut every every year. I mean, you you can bring back Becky Lynch all you want, but you're going up against the Grinch. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Okay, uh, Rampage. Uh, this is our last one to to go through. Uh, this was the afternoon slot, the 4 p.m. Eastern. Rampage edition did 411,000 viewers and a .11 in 18 to 49. So the move in time cost them a 8% viewership drop from the week before, an 18% drop in the demo, and they were 43rd among cable originals. So 
It was their lowest viewership since October 28th, but at 4 p.m., this 18 to 49 number, it still beat the show from two weeks ago um, on November the 11th. So this was not like they got crushed in the demo airing at this unfamiliar time slot. Um, but again, it was like all audiences were down, but it was more pronounced uh, with with women across the key demos than it was men. And they had several uh, college football games that they were going against as well as college basketball. But I'm not going to lie. I know this would not be great, but when Excalibur was uh, bringing up the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal, he started it off by saying, and a programming note, and immediately my head just went to, please tell me, Rampage is early this week. Please <laughs> put Rampage at 4 p.m. I would be I would be a happy camper every week. I love I loved 4 p.m., but back to 10 this Friday, and we will go through that that lineup later. So I know that is a lot of numbers and data, but um, that is that is our catch-up. This is what happens when uh, holidays occur away and Showbuzz Daily gets gets backed up, and then we just get a, a deluge here of, uh, of numbers. We appreciate it, as always. NXT deadline, December the 10th. Um, we should mention here at Post Wrestling, December 10th, it is going to be a three-way dance happening uh, that day. So we are going to have... Braden and Davey covering Deadline with a show. Um, I will be doing UFC 282 the next day with Eric Marcotte, uh, but also coming out Saturday uh, next week for patrons. Waiting will be teaming up with Kate from Montreal for a final battle post show. So three big events going on that same Saturday night, and we will have shows for all three of them that weekend. Oh, yeah, we're splitting up and we're dividing and conquering, and you'll get plenty of coverage for everything, including from our friends at Up Next now known as Poison Rana. That is right. The rebranding has begun, so you can tune into them. Uh, yeah, and just, just a note on that, too. Um, I guess I can announce this, but they'll be actually streaming that post-show, NXT Deadline Live, on YouTube.com slash post-wrestling. So we'll be getting a lot more from those guys. We'll let them announce it maybe uh, on their shows in, in a bit more detail, but uh, a lot more to come from Poison Rana. So speaking of Deadline itself, on Tuesday they had um, – they had the war room set up with Shawn Michaels conferring with uh, Alundra Blaze, Medusa, Molly Holly, Road Dog, and bringing his glasses with him, Shawn Waltman. And uh, the, the, these are some entertaining segments, I will say, as they went down the pros and cons of the potential candidates for the Iron Survivor Challenge matches. And when the announcement was finally made, the men's match will feature Carmelo Hayes, J.D. McDonough, Grayson Waller. Joe Gacy, and then they will do a wild card, a triple threat next week with Von Wagner, Andre Chase, and Axiom to determine the third spot. But it was fun to hear them uh, break down these uh, these performers and who passes the airport test way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess I didn't exactly know what to expect when they announced that these guys would, would be appearing. I thought it'd be as simple as, you know, them coming out and making the announcement who was going to be there. They took us on a bit of a ride, you know, about their thought process. And ultimately it really just kind of ended up being a way to introduce a lot of these characters to perhaps an audience that, that might know them or some that might be tuning in that don't really know uh, who Kiana James is, for instance. Um, I think it's been definitely met with mixed reviews. Um, I listened to Braden and Davey talking about it. They were not fans of this. I didn't dislike it. Like I thought, you know, all of them sounded 
very knowledgeable about all the characters as somebody who's only been dipping in and out of NXT. I thought it was like a nice little catch up for um, people who, you know, to remind people who the characters are, they sounded enthusiastic about what they were talking about. Um, maybe weaving in and out about like, you know, terms like, you know, uh, Molly Holly saying, uh, I think Alpha, worker. Alpha fire is the best worker in the company. I mean, I, I get what does working mean, you know, in a real life context. Um, uh, these, don't know. These are inexperienced performers. We need some veterans to keep this match together if it goes off the rails. Yeah, they were they were kind of weaving back and forth, and it's always awkward when you're trying to you know use real terms. But I, as a concept, I I like sort of integrating these legends into you know um, NXT with a lot of unfamiliar faces. What, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I I didn't have like a like a strong uh, opinion either way. It was it was an odd mix of four people that I just could not imagine uh, hanging out together in any other setting but this one with a camera on them. But it was, uh, you know, to your point, it's the worst is when you bring in the names from the past and it's like the focus becomes like the current talent feel like they're just totally nothing in comparison Mm -hmm. and here it was like they were brought in to put a spotlight on all of these talents and they could all speak coherently about who like they are all familiar with these talents Mm -hmm. it's not i don't know anything about this guy or 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 this woman it was like they all came in and it it gave the feel like they all follow this product they all follow who these people are and and have an an interest in it so i Mm -hmm. i thought it was a a different way to go about it and was fine the women's match has Zoe Stark, Cora Jade, Roxanne Perez, Kiana James with her finisher, the 401k. And the wild card will be determined between Fallon Henley, Wendy Chu, and Indy Hartwell. Actually, the best one was when Road Dog, they were debating Axiom, and then Road Dog's like, dude, this guy can't be cleared. He just got that big injury. And literally, like 20 minutes later, Axiom shows up backstage and, and he's announcing. Uh, to Javier Bernal, I'm cleared. I can have a match right now. <laughs> like he was, he was like out of the running by Road Dog, and then 20 minutes later, he's showing up. So, I'm cleared. Clearances right. can happen at any point. So he yes. gets a uh, a wild card spot not next week. And then the only other match they've announced for Deadline is Braun Breaker and Apollo Cruz, who met over breakfast. Well, um, I, I mean they they are friends, um, and uh, <laughs> they're both baby faces, and baby faces will sometimes eat with each other. Yeah. It's all right. This was a interesting interaction. So, um, yeah, those are our three matches. The, the, I mean, the the Iron Survivor Challenge matches are going to be twenty five minutes each. So, I mean, this is going to be kind of like War Games, where you're going to get two super long matches. And I I, I would say like these are certainly going to be um, interesting matches to see if the concept clicks or not. And also doing two of them as opposed to j- just one to see if it works. But as I always say about these NXT shows, the thing they always have in their back pocket is it's going to be a crowd that is going to be so supportive. And even they take average matches and make them feel uh, more important just because like these are just the most um crowd pleasing fans uh in terms of like they know what their role is at these shows is to elevate yeah. these matches they're supportive but i mean i think also within reason too you know if something is completely completely goes off the rails i i i don't know if you'll necessarily just 
get blind sort of encouragement from that either. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm very curious to see some of these matches in particular, like, you know, with the involvement of some very, well, um, some in, inexperienced talent here, you know, especially in the women's match. So um, it, it, what, what sort of safety nets and what sort of, uh, you know, uh, spots are, are they going to craft to, to ensure that it all goes successfully? It's a, it's, it's a big, you know, it's a bigger risk to me than War Games is because it's a brand new concept that uh, hasn't necessarily been shown to an audience before. Last two stories here are somewhat related as they are, are, are streaming related. The first is that Anthem Sports and Entertainment um, announced a deal with DAZN uh, regarding Impact Wrestling uh, that they have uh, they have forged a international partnership that will deliver Impact Wrestling to more than 170 countries worldwide. And uh, this went into effect on Tuesday. The multi-year agreement will give DAZN viewers in 170 plus countries, including the UK, Ireland, Switzerland, Austria, France, Poland, Spain, Italy, the Netherlands. I'm not going to list 170 countries here. Uh, the best seat in the house to Impact Wrestling's weekly Impact flagship series. And additionally, DAZN viewers will have access to Impact's high-octane pay-per-view events and premium Impact Plus live specials, as well as select titles from Impact's archives directly through the DAZN platform. So this seems to be an answer to regions of the world that do not have access to impact that do not have existing uh, broadcast agreements. So this will not apply to the U S nor Canada. And, you know, DAZN was, I, you know, certainly they have gone through a lot of contraction, I would say o- over the years. Um, but they are investing here in a product that is, you know, kind of your, like a middle tier pro wrestling franchise, but one that does have a lot of history behind it. And, its biggest issue to me is exposure and we will see if this pans out to be something significant for them, but just this kind of um, accessibility now to places that uh, I'm under the impression most did not have much access to impact. Hopefully we will now we will see if this turns out to be a really important deal for Anthem and also what the, the financials of this deal mean for Anthem um, that they are getting like the zone back in the, back in the day. I mean, they signed an extremely lucrative deal for Bellator, um, you know, multi-million dollars worth. Um, but then that deal was not renewed. And, you know, we have seen all of these major streamers that have gone through yeah, a, a lot of reassessment of the marketplace and how much money are we going to bleed before we have to be able to show some kind of growth, what kind of revenue we are getting out of each of our users and sort of DAZN has sort of been, um, you know, I guess re-strategizing. Right, right. I mean, but it still seems like they have a, a incredible reach and uh, probably, you know, a, a rather large user base that, um, you know, Impact will greatly benefit from. Um, adds value to, to their branding and probably, you know, brings, I would hope, a good amount of money to Anthem Sports and therefore, um, you know, gives a lot more resources for Impact to grow. So it, it's healthy for them. It's healthy for the industry. And they're probably going to make a really big deal uh, out of this uh, promotionally. Um, Then on Wednesday, this is our last story, um, a press release came out announcing the launch, well, the pending launch of the Premier Streaming Network, a new streaming service providing viewers access to combat sports, pro wrestling and entertainment, live events and libraries, traditional sporting events, documentaries and original content series. It will launch in early 2023, leading the creation and operations of the Premier Streaming Network is... uh, Streaming service veteran Paul Owen and award-winning host and producer Josh Chernoff. Uh, 
Uh, Paul Owen uh, previously held positions at both uh, UFC Fight Pass and the WWE Network, and both him and Chernoff uh, are coming from Fight TV, where they had worked uh, previously. And they have stated that it will be available on devices including web, iOS, Android, mobile, web, and desktop, Chromecast, Android TV, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Roku, and many smart TVs. And, you know, it's it's kind of hard to, to judge. They don't they have not announced any partnerships yet or what content is going to be available. But like, we've talked about this several times, Wayne. And it seems like there is quite the competitive field now of I, I would say a lot of streamers in the specifically pro wrestling combat sports base that have seen the success of fight. And now we are seeing pro wrestling TV out there. IWTV TV has been out there for a while. Um, you have like other niche products like the high spots network. And, you know, it, is there enough to go around for these streamers? Like it might be good for some of these content providers if there's money behind these services. But I, I don't know if, if there's going to be the, the audience to support all these different ventures and this one seems to be uh at least leaning that it will there will be non-wrestling content too but again like this is it's it just seems we're moving in a world where it's a lot of contraction of these big major streamers into mm. you know um it's like the small niche ones um it, it, it's a gamble right right yeah um it, it's really hard to say you know the viability of a, of a of a product like like starting up like premier streaming network at, at the moment just because we don't necessarily know how much money they'll have to to throw around at at you know various properties we don't know how big they're going to you know uh make make the whole thing but um i i, I you know perhaps a lot of people still re- recognizing rightly that live sports is um the future and, and really kind of the thing that's keeping a lot of broadcasting alive right now um and probably still a good slice of the pie out there to to be had for uh you know people that aren't triller or or other people yeah oh, to to me it like look at a MLW that just signed that deal with pro wrestling TV like you throw another person into the mix like this and everyone's going to be trying to get these properties and in theory that's that's more people after these you know secondary third level products that if everyone is just trying to get the, these level, like that should be good for some of these promotions out there that you have all these people vying for it, at least short term, long term, that might be another question. But it's just like this interesting, um, you know, what's going to be a, a big battle for at least in the pro wrestling content space that we're focused on it. Like there's going to be different outlets and you know, if it, it could mean some, some dollars, like I'm sure GCW like greatly benefited from this, this fight plus, um, launch that fight has done so there you go those are some of the stories uh coming out of today you can find all of your news up at postwrestling.com and um did uh i I asked you this earlier um have you seen any of the teddy hart uh documentary series not yet not yet no it did not do well on that monday night slot i mean it was following raw which even the third hour that's 1.4 million people as a lead-in and it did 275,000 viewers, a 0.06. So it, it was also not promoted. You know, well, that's, say. that's a real interesting one. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it almost feels like as though like the left hand and the right hand are maybe not in concert in WWE or if this was something that was set up, uh, a long time ago. Because to me, if you're USA, at the very least, like you're putting it there for a reason, the very least is that uh, Kevin Patrick is giving you a heads up that immediately after Raw is this new doc series. And there was not a peep about it, nor has there been any kind of promotion by WWE on any of their channels uh, regarding that documentary series, which they are, you know, uh, executive producers on. 
It is certainly strange um, how uh, unannounced, you know, we were live on air when people in the chat room were informing us that, hey, the Teddy Teddy Hart uh, documentary is on on Peacock. And um, I haven't seen the content of it. Like, were you surprised that maybe um, from what I gather, it's it's a bit more of a PG-13 type of show? Like, were you were you surprised by by any of the content that might have been broadcast? I mean, there's, you know, there, there's nudity, but it's censored. Um, it's it, like, there's some very disturbing footage. I mean, uh, Teddy Hart's getting like very visibly upset with a girlfriend right on camera. That's, you know, it's, it's very uncomfortable. And the content is certainly, um, you know, it's, it's not a series that I watched that I would imagine WWE would want to attach themselves to, but they did. There's WWE footage within, um, but like no interviews from anybody. In, in relation to WWE or even from Teddy's family, um, is involved in this. I mean, it's, I only have seen the, the first episode and this kind of leads to, um, there are the accusations of sexual assault, uh, that are out on Teddy Hart. And then he's in Texas avoiding these, uh, charges back in Canada. And the end of the first episode is the filmmaker who, um, is essentially serving as the host of this thing going through his footage and sort of is, Seems somewhat guilt-ridden about his role in all of this, while also the fact that he invested all this and couldn't stop the project, and now he's going back to relive all of this. And the end of the first episode is him convincing Teddy to fly back to Canada to answer to these charges, and he is being arrested at the airport, and that's how the first episode airs. So um, I did look at the USA Network schedule, and they are not listing it for next Monday after Raw. And uh, mm. it, it's not like it did a very good number on Monday either. Um, but the series is up on, on Peacock. And obviously Peacock is trying to push this because of the, you know, bizarre mm-hmm. nature of th- this character that they are, you know, I, I really feel they're, they're trying to find like their, their Tiger King in this. Like that it, is very, a very similar feeling you come away with. And it sounds like, you know, from the people that have seen it, that, that, that's exactly the the type of character that they've kind of found in, in Teddy Hart here. Um, I'll, I'll say, you know, I don't know if the ratings are something you necessarily look at as as any sort of indicator of like how Peacock values um, success when it comes to this. It, uh, it, it created a bit of buzz within at least the wrestling community, the under the hardcore wrestling community coming off of a Monday. So I, I would say to that end, it was probably a bit more successful than um, the lack of attention it probably received prior to. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. All right, let's get into Dynamite tonight from the Indiana Farmers Coliseum in Indianapolis, Indiana. Starting off the show is John Moxley, and he makes his way to the ring and noted his history wrestling in this area early in his career and that there are three certainties in life, death, taxes, and John Moxley. And no one can outwork, out-hustle, out-bleed, or out-fight him. Who would want to have a, a bleeding contest? I bet I could bleed um, more than you, John. All right, it's on. It sounds like a, a match he probably would have had at GCW. Um, An outbleed match. Yes. Plenty in GCW, I'm sure that would You challenge. win, John. I'm passing out. <laughs> he says he is still at the top of the food chain, and there is no one in the back or in this building with the balls to come tell me any differently. And with that, 
the man with the balls. Hangman Page comes out and Excalibur explains he is here at the building to get checked up on. He has not been cleared yet. And Moxley asks Hangman, are you sure you want to do this after what happened last time? Or do you not remember what happened? And a great line from Moxley and Hangman decks them. They have the first of several pull-aparts on this show. And they have Hangman up the ramp. And Moxley runs after him. And he's so, like, he's running. And he slips off the side. And then just gets right back into it, uh, going after Hangman before they are separated. So a wild brawl here. And then they would have another one later in the show. So it would appear that they are going to go back to this match. Um, this is probably Moxley's next big match on television. I thought the man was going to go fishing. I mean, you know, either he's just lost interest or, I mean, it was a very quick trip. Um, so it clears like it seems like John Moxley is, is going to stay very active here in AEW. He doesn't seem like the vacation type. No, he, he seems like, you know, he looks at work and maybe bleeding, uh, having a bleed off with a wrestler. Um, you picture this guy at an all inclusive. <laughs> I I can't imagine. I think he'd be bored out of his uh, my ties. You know what I mean? He'd be bored out of out of his mind, sitting on the beach for more than ten minutes. Um, Very good pull apart here from these two, picking things up uh, right off of from their last interaction. Uh, We're owed a finish, you know, a proper finish between these two, and I'm glad we're going right back to it. I think Paige at this point kind of comes in with renewed focus. You know, um, he went into that Moxley title challenge really just kind of as another person for Moxley to, to take down before, you know, heading into the pay-per-view with MJF, uh, but coming off of injury and coming off, uh, you know, like I, I would say a lot more um, baby face uh, support right now. I could see him beating Moxley this time around, maybe a bit more upside to uh, hangman page um, title cha- or, you know, baby face run again right now. And you've laid the foundation that, you know, Moxley's world with the BCC is all in chaos. He is coming mm-hmm. off this devastating loss, the betrayal of a mentor. He's ripe for uh, to be susceptible to a loss to Hangman Page. So I think you could certainly go there and explore that story further. The Dynamite Diamond Ring Battle Royal will take place next week. They explained that the last three years, MJF has won it each year. And the participants announced are Matt Hardy, Jungle Boy, Dalton Castle, Sean Dean, Brian Cage, and Ethan Page. And then later, Ricky Starks adds his name to the mix as well. Yeah. Yeah. Doing this again. And, uh, you know, I guess uh, for the first time, we'll have a winner that won't be MJF. And um, I I mean, at this point, what is this battle royal for? Um, except for, I guess, a weapon that people can use. Um, it's it's a point of prestige, I suppose. It's a trophy. Like, it doesn't have any sort of um, title match attachment to it, is there? No, I don't think so. It's a, it's a spotlight, you know, for sort of an up-and-coming guy, uh, somebody who's next in line. So, any prediction so far? Sean think? Dean. Sean Dean wins it. You think, okay, yeah, he'll finally yeah. get his... Book ends uh, his year with a count-out victory over MJF, and then a... Um, uh, the, it takes his ring at the end of it. Well, he, he has a chance. That would be quite the way to get to Sean Dean. Yeah. Dax Harwood against Brian Danielson is our first match on the show. The bell rings and the crowd is chanting, this is awesome. So they are very much in, in, into this. I, I thought overall it was a pretty good crowd in Indianapolis uh, that we had mm-hmm. on, on Wednesday night. So 
as is the case of every Danielson matches, his his goal is what's going to be the most painful way to put my shirt on later tonight. So they just chop each other to death in this match. Uh, Danielson sends Dax over the guardrail with a tope. Back to more chops from Dax, and then the rolling Germans hits a pile driver for a two count. Both their ch- chests are just completely red. Dax then is seated on the top, and Danielson drops elbows, goes to the back, suplex off the top, and Dax reverses in midair, and then Danielson rolls over on top. Then they have their lariat battle, where neither will go down. They keep throwing and throwing. Finally, they go down. Then they get up, they go to more lariats, and they collapse on each other. Danielson rotates off the German, landing on his feet, and then the Busaiku gets caught by Dax into a slingshot powerbomb. Dax goes to the sharpshooter, and Taz brings up how Danielson's uh, Dax is grabbing Danielson's knee pad for leverage, which would be illegal in an MMA fight. You can't be you can't be using that. So it was a nice little detail from Taz. And then he gets out of that. They trade small packages, and from there, Dan- Danielson transitions to the label lock in the center of the ring, and Dax has to tap in 14 minutes and 47 seconds. I thought it was an excellent match. You know, certainly lived up to the expectations that I think people had of a very good technical battle between these two. Um, Both guys, you know, aren't necessarily known for being like flashy wrestlers, but they're both incredibly solid um, to the point where you would consider that to be flashy. Um, I think Dax continues to drive up like great matches in this singles run that that he's been having. Um, So much so that uh, they were promoting this as like a dream match, you know, with these posters, uh, you know, billing it as first time ever. And it's, it's crazy to to think that, you know, a year ago he was just another tag team wrestler. I mean, a great tag team wrestler, but now they're making it the Dax Harwood singles match an attraction, which is very impressive. Um, and they're perfect for TV because, you know, FTR, I think as an act, you know, they're, they have, they're champions of course, but as an act, they feel um, almost like protected for something like a pay-per-view. Uh, whereas these sort of very attractive, very curiosity peaking singles matches with Dax Harwood are kind of perfect for TV. So um, he did great here. They're building wins for Brian. Um, you know, I think pretty obviously trying to set him up for a title challenge. Coming They're up. building a lot up for Danielson. Yeah. 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 I, I thought the match was great. Really great start to the, the show. Um, people had high expectations for this. I thought, I thought it was met. And I, I really love when you kind of kick off with like this style of a match that really gets things going. So yeah, it was a, it was a very strong match from those two. And then they shook hands afterwards. Dax goes to leave as if he's going to big time him, but then turns around and he gives Danielson a hug. Shivani interviews Ricky Starks. This is where he is entering the battle royal because he's going to go after everything that MJF has, and he's coming for his spot. He is absolute. So they've only got two weeks to build this one up. R- Ricky Starks certainly does feel like the um, he is the next challenger, and that's what he feels like. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna hard, be be hard to to shake that honestly, like because it's it's MJF um, in his first defense, and by by all accounts, he's a big enough star that you would expect them not to take the title off of him. So anybody put into this position would have kind of had that. Um, for Ricky Starks, though, it just being in the conversation of being a, a world title contender, I think, is an elevation for him. So it's a chance for him to get much needed spotlight that I, I don't think he's had. Um, you know, even during his TNT title run, like I feel like, sorry, FTW title run, I should yeah. say. I get confused. Is that still around? Hook. FTW? 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, but um, it, it's a chance for Starks to get a lot more airtime, some promo time, and, uh, you know, main event spotlight. Yeah, it's it was like he won this tournament, but it was in my mind. It's like, okay, they got several weeks to do this, and now it's like next week is your... Your last chance to really build the, yeah. this up, but you know it's it, it's a TV main event, and the the hope is that you know it's um it, it's at least a good outing. I don't I, I think you're really going to struggle for an audience to truly believe Starks can win this, but um yeah we'll, we'll, well see how maybe he'll off. win the ring after that's a consolation yeah we, we uh we, maybe we we should clarify so the bat- winner of the battle royal goes on to face MJF for the ring oh they fight MJF for the ring yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you got to win the battle royal, and then you. So what did MJF do last year? He just won the battle royal, and he. I think didn't wasn't there a himself? final two? Wasn't that the awkwardness of like having the battle royal end up being the final two, and then he had the match with with the the other person later I on? Think, yeah, yeah. That seems to be how it how it went. Okay. Yeah. So are there a final two next week, or is it just a final? I one? think there's and just they... a final one, and then they have to face MJF. Okay. All right. Just to have this jewelry. Yeah, well, it's a lot of steps. A lot of steps. Like, what's fueling you for this? Like, why? Uh, why? Why does Brian Cage need this? That's true. Like, you you don't get to keep it. You know, you gotta give it back. Like, it'd be one thing if there's like a you know monetary value attached to to this diamond ring. Yeah, can you sell it? I mean, if they use it every year, I don't think so. Yeah, it's it's like I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) You can have it. Here, Here you go, Sean Dean. Hangman is being escorted out of the arena when he runs into Moxley, so they get into another brawl. And Moxley, I'm sent- sorry, maybe maybe I'm confused. So like, like I'm reading all these things. I like, do they? Does the person actually get a title shot? I might I might be mistaken, everybody. So don't don't go by what I'm saying. Did MJF get a title shot out of all all of these? Like every year? I don't. They think explain. So. He he had the title shot two years ago against Moxley. Yeah, and, and he didn't was get that one from last the year. No, it wasn't. Okay. Chat room, let us know, okay? Uh, No, don't. Don't. I swear I don't care. I absolutely don't care. We'll find out next week. We'll all be at the edge of our seat. So Moxley is thrown out of the arena and... I liked what, what I liked about the show is that especially with the BCC angle and what they were going to do with Regal, like they this was a very detail heavy show where they had reasons of why Moxley was not in the arena. They had mm. uh, they had Claudio and Yuta for some reason on location in Nashville. So they had them out of the, out of Indianapolis as well. And so there, there was no reason for the Blackpool Combat Club to get involved or confront Regal and other than Danielson, who who would be involved in the angle later. Renee is in Nashville with uh, members of the Jericho Appreciation Society, not Chris Jericho, who is actually in Australia right now for some Fozzie shows, and then Claudio and Yuta. And they have agreed to no physicality. Matt Menard says that Claudio can join them and then be a yodeler. And Claudio says that this will be his first world title win and proving that he can win the big one. Jake Hager has a sep- a second hat that he is going to present to Claudio after he joins the Jericho Appreciation Society. And Claudio gets pissed. He is sick of the JAS. He is sick of sit-down interviews. He came here to prove he's the best wrestler. And he storms off. Garcia makes fun of them as pro wrestling dorks and wants a tag match. And Yuta says that he's done with all of you guys. The only reason that Garcia is not dead to him is because he wants that pure title. So he agrees to the tag match with him and Claudio against 
Hager and Garcia next week. But in order for them to do the tag match, Garcia has to defend the pure title at final battle. So they will have a rematch on December the 10th. Okay. Got it. Yes. Garcia would not be the one negotiating my contract. Okay. (laughs) It's like, I will have a tag match with you. You're going to get your tag match. (laughs) <laughs> but then you got to put that belt on the line, okay? It's like, yeah. I need this tag match on TV next week. So, fine. I'll put my belt up on the line. I, th- I think this is what happens when you have a lot of TV to build to um, and and um, not many talking segments. You know, you try to um, combo, you know, your, your stipulations together uh, so that you build two matches in, in one go. Um, anyway, big news coming out of this, I suppose, is Garcia versus um, uh, uh, um, Yuta again for for the final battle. Uh, I like it. You know, I, I I'm not really sick of that match. It's 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 a match that I I think you can run plenty of times, and I'll probably you know watch every single time, especially when it's on pay per view, um, which is only the third pay per view of the year. Okay, five AEW pay per views, yeah. three ROH pay per views. They are not it is not eight. Remember, you don't have to watch this if you just want to follow AEW storylines. Tony Khan says, but this is a this is this is a storyline building up to this pay per view. Well, on, this is my AEW television show. I mean, is it really AEW? I I feel like it's uh, May of 1992, and I'm watching WWF Superstars, but I'm being told <laughs> about the WBF coming up on June 13th in Long Beach, California, after every single ad break by Vince McMahon. Yeah, of course, it's it's ridiculous. Like, you know, what am I supposed to do every time Chris Jericho is, comes on screen in, in Dynamite? You know, am I supposed to just kind of ignore it? Separate separate company. Yeah, like he's got his way of thinking. Um, there are eight pay-per-views a year. We are all going to agree yeah. on that. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is shaping up to be like, um, you know, it's, it's not a lot of time they have to build up this show, but you know, from a, a star standpoint, like they have not had as big a match as Jericho and Castagnoli. It's an AEW pay-per-view everybody with, you know, AEW stars. Well, if it, if yeah. it was AEW final battle, it would be doing probably double the business. Yeah. But that, but but the the long game is to try to sell ROH, or at least sell ROH content. I meant Samoa Joe against the now signed AR Fox. They made the announcement earlier today that he has signed and he gets a TNT Championship match. It's an open challenge, and we got Joe uh, bringing back the walk off spot, and not just once, but twice. This time for a Topekon hero to the floor, and then later. Uh, off a swanton by AR Fox. So um, he, he, he has been doing it, but you know, as a baby face and, and now um, applying it more as a heel, AR Fox actually landed on his feet based off of the walk off. So he didn't look bad coming off of at least the first one. And uh, Joe almost kind of like, you know, got caught for taking him so lightly. Yeah, Fox connects with a 450 splash, actually got busted in the mouth here at, at one point, and then Joe lands a back elbow, sending Fox flying, and hits the muscle buster to win in 637. I thought Fox looked pretty good here, you know, as as usual. Um, one of those guys who I think has a style that, like, continues to really make me ask, like, you know, how much AEW really needs another high flyer. Um but he's spectacular, you know, so may- maybe he's somebody that you, you bring over the, to the ROH side of things. I really like Joe as a heel. He looked great here. The cockiness that I think he had, ha- had as a baby face was dialed up. And I think he even looked more dominant and powerful and actually got to say some words here. So it feels like he's taken a bigger step into the spotlight than he did before. Are we one step closer to a rematch between Killshot 
and Dante Fox in a weapons of mass destruction match from Lucha Underground. Who was Killshot? Killshot was Swerve Strickland. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds like there are a lot, a lot of uh, Lucha Underground dream rematches that I, I don't know how, how many people necessarily cl- are, are clamoring for. But, I mean, yeah, I'm sure it'll be cool. They could do a reunion show at this point. You like uh, you bring back in Helico, Brian Cage. I mean, you could just go up and down. Yeah, you, you, sure. You've assembled a fair amount of them. Joe gets on the microphone. It's a new era. He is the one true king of television. The king of television. King of all media. The That's new Howard it. Stern. That's it. The the shock jock, Samoa Joe. Wardlow appears on screen and says, that nickname is almost as good as the last one you came up with, Wardjo. <laughs> so he <laughs> hates it, which is fine. You can mock that, but you can't make fun of a term like Wardjo and then move on to this is Wardlow's world. Yeah. As I will up. proudly wear a Wardjo shirt any day over a Wardlow's world shirt. I I fucking hate it. I think it's so corny every every time it comes out of his mouth. Yeah. Um, I, and, I still I think of Bobby's world every time he says this. Totally. Yeah. Or Wayne's world. And I don't know if either of those things are what Wardlow wants to be associated with. The fans were very supportive here, chanting Wardlow for him. Um, I think, you know, coming off of Joe, coming off of a lot of the great promos on the show, you still see the deficiency in Wardlow's ability to speak on the microphone. Not to say he shouldn't be speaking on the microphone because he needs the experience, of course, but um, he doesn't. He hasn't reached that level of confidence and smoothness on the mic that I think you would expect from a monster like his character. Um, so I hope he finds it. So they are doing, they're taping rampage, um, right after dynamite. So maybe they set something up on Friday, but I was expecting Joe to set up his program for final battle. Cause we're just like, we got next week and then that's it. You're into the pay-per-view and so you I don't was, think this is it. Well, I just thought they would make it more clear if it was. I, I just can't see any, any, anybody else, but Wardlow at this point. There was another uh, Powerhouse Hobbs feature where he is, uh, he's, a, he's in the streets of Oakland. He had been bullied and beaten up, but it made him tougher, and he's going to make everyone feel his hurt and his pain. These look great. Like they're, they're so well produced. They look like movies, and just I think by being in them, Hobbs feels like a bigger deal because the production is so slick. Uh, then there was, uh, there was like a, uh, a, a Taz mark- technique. A Mark Lehman breakdown, yeah, from the old UFC pay-per-views here, where Taz broke down Hook, escaping the Border City stretch and submitting uh, Lee Moriarty last week with Red Rum. Yeah, I mean, he only does these sort of technique things for, for Hook these days. I mean, didn't he used to do them for a few people, but um, fine. I don't know how much insight we really got from this little bit, though. You know, it was like 30 seconds long, like t- basically to He's me. He's exposed the Border City stretch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. Maybe, maybe he did give me something there. It was interesting that they put a disclaimer at the bottom of this indicating that like, um, this is not, uh, you know, don't try this at home. These are trained professionals. So, um, maybe just kind of covering their asses in case anybody thought this was supposed to be a tutorial on how to apply the red rum. Then we go to, um, well, probably the biggest segment on the show. William Regal walks down the ramp and they explain that John Moxley has been taken out of the building and now this snake is slithering back after being told to never come back. And Regal introduces MJF. MJF comes out, he embraces Regal and he reads off an email he received from Regal after the firm attacked him in the lead up to full gear. 
And Regal said that he is becoming weak, but he has the potential to be the greatest villain of our time. But you have much to learn, but I'm willing to teach you. Don't grab the dynamite ring, but grab the brass one. And so they met behind closed doors, and he admits that Regal is a genius and told him to use the brass knuckles because this will leave John Moxley with an emotional scar so he never forgets the day he was outsmarted by MJF. And in regards to the firm, in not so many words, he basically said, I'm moving on from the firm. He said, I kind of respect them. They saw a weakness in me and attacked. I would have done the same thing. And chasing after someone like Ethan Page would require effort. And effort is for poors like you. I think that's as much explanation as we're going to get for for the firm. It felt like we are we are going to address it. And that's it. I'm yeah. not going through all these guys. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like the end cap on, on the firm thing uh, probably came from Stokely Hathaway via his interview. Um <laughs> In the news this week, talking. I really about feel for this group. Like it's well, a tale it, of two it, worlds of like explain. what they were. Well, I mean, you know, Stokely indicated as much that they they were going to be programmed with CM Punk, and you know they had tons of plans. And it seems that you know with with the loss of Punk and all the changes that you know they they essentially just became you know lost okay. in in the shuffle. And here they are; they're not attached to MJF. It's. You know, we, we barely even see the group as a whole together anymore. And it just feels they're on retainer. You know, they're, they're, they come, they come together when they need, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, they just feel like they are somewhat in no man's land. Like Ethan Page is in a decent spot, but you know, as, as a group, I think it's, it's fallen way short. And for obvious reasons, like it's just plans changed and they, they were in a backseat role. I think MJF certainly needed to address it. In, in this segment, um, I just don't think coming off of it, 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 I wonder if there was a better way, you know, to, 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 to leave this story because they just kind of come off of it feeling like total afterthoughts. And I mean, I guess they got the better of MJF, but, um, you know, for somebody like Ethan Page to, to be not worth his time, I don't know. I'm not sure. If, I wonder if there was a better way. Yeah. I mean, you could certainly, Maybe second guess like the beatdown of MJF, whereas if they didn't do the whole fracturing of MJF and the firm, it's sort of like MJF. The first promo was you're not always going to see these guys with me. It's only when I absolutely need them that, um, you know, by by placing them against each other, it's like you can't even have like some secret alliance or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was sort of kind of draw your line in the sand. And it's, you know, here's here's the bigger heel against the minimal heels. And it just you know, it just puts the firm in a position where they're they're sort of just afterthoughts. It was all done to you know try to sell this MJF is MJF a babyface type of storyline. Um, you can argue whether or not it was worth it. I, I will say that they you know they would be perfect right now for MJF as sort of like a backing group that occasionally shows up to do his dirty work. Um, but they broken those ties. So MJF is here to make change. The title needs an upgrade because it's tacky, it lacks class, and reminds him of the previous men that held it. And they're all talented in their own way, but none are on his level. So he tosses the belt down, calling it garbage. And Regal reveals the new championship belt design with a Burberry pattern on the strap. And it is now the amazing the big Burberry belt. The, yeah. the 3B, the triple B. Triple B, yeah. 
Um, you know, Tony Schiavone was awesome reacting to this. He was (laughs) gagging and disgusted at him desecrating their championship belt. I mean, he was just appalled by this. I mean, it's, it's absolutely hideous, but I think absolutely perfect. Um, I'm sure there are more than one, a couple people who, who, you know, paid like, I don't know, 400 bucks for one of those replica belts who were probably quite nervous about what the reveal was going to be underneath, uh, thinking that, you know, is there a championship now? Uh, those same people are going to pay 600 for this one. <laughs> uh, fear not. This just appears to be, you know, a temporary custom belt for the MJF reign. And I think I, I like it. They've done that for the TNT championship. Why not for the, for the championship? Um, the, the real, the, the, the heavyweight championship, whenever it's appropriate. And, uh, it's a great heat getting type of thing, similar in vain to, uh, the wood belt for <sighs> Brian Danielson, which was awesome. Uh, this was, this is great too. I love stuff like this. And then he kind of laid out uh, what felt like six months of programs. He called Eddie Kingston a fake tough guy who will never be a world champion. Another fake tough guy is Ricky Starks, who he thinks is a fake star. But the worst of the worst is a fake wrestler like Brian Danielson and said that he, compared to me, couldn't wrestle out of a paper bag. I'm going to be champion for a long time. All the way until the bidding war of 2024, and I'm going to use this title as a bargaining chip to get the best contract in history. I just hope the right con foots the bill, and I'm not talking about Tony, but jolly old St. Nick and my boy Trips. Now, also, after he insulted Danielson, he did go over to Regal and said, I know you tried to teach him, but some people just can't be taught. So he is sick of looking at grotesque wrestling fans, so maybe when his contract's up, he'll go to Hollywood. The fans are fickle. In time, they're going to say that he's boring, that he just talks, that he doesn't wrestle enough. Well, you're going to rarely see me defend this title, and you're going to see me wrestle very sparingly because I'm a special attraction, and most times, you'll have to buy a pay-per-view to see me wrestle. And I'm going to make my reign, make Hogan's, JBL's, and Jeff Jarrett seem short, and I'm going to make Bruno roll in his shitty little grave is jared known for having like a really long tna reign i mean it felt like he was champion forever but there were always like breaks in the championship for for jared so not one that i automatically uh, go to i mean of recent memory it's uh like punk had like the real long one in wwe but i I guess his name was not going to be used there yeah So everyone respects Regal, MJF says. He loves this business, and he says, from the bottom of my heart, as he puts on the brass knuckles, he's behind Regal, and then he drills Regal in the back of the head, and down goes Regal. And he says, it's funny, because you said that I had a lot to learn, yet you are the one that made a deal with the devil. And then in his rewording of the famous email, He says, Will, the game has changed. MJF exclusively hires top talents or top world-class athletes. When you're one of them, send me your stuff. Yours sincerely, the world champion, MJF. Uh, A tremendous end to the segment. I'm going to say that this segment, it went on for a long time. It was a really long promo. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I, I thought like midway through, I was like, this is not one of his finer wor- works. It was mm-hmm. just, it was dragging. Um, but no one is going to remember that. It is going to be a very significant angle at the end here. Um, the announcers treated this as though this is not part of the show. Regal has these real health issues that have been documented and he is just out cold. And then Danielson runs down and the idea is like he was coming from the shower or the trainer's room. So he's got one boot on and one boot off, which it's a little thing, but I, I really appreciate that, that level of like why he wasn't out sooner. Um, and he's like finding out about this and running down and it's as though like last week was the angle portion, but this is real. And, um, and that ended the segment and, you know, next last week, I know there were people who viewed that and they're questioning what is the future for Regal. Um, th- this one felt much more like a write off than than last week in terms of like, here's a guy without a country. He's burned both sides. Mm-hmm. And and this is like this debilitating attack that at the very least, we shouldn't see him for a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, It's a bit weird, isn't it? Like with with whatever's out there um, for him right now. Um, so Dave Meltzer did say that the contract he has is for three years. Well, that's what Regal had stated that it was three years. Okay. Um, so I mean, if you're if you're going by that, then you know if he's leaving, then it's he has to be let out of his deal. Which you know up until now, you know Tony Khan has kind of put his foot down on requests to get out. Um, but you know you re like this angle. Um. I would just say, like, if he's coming back, even if it's with Danielson, it's like it's really diluted once he's turned on the Blackpool Combat Club to almost reverse yeah. course. Like this felt like an end to this this character. It feels at least like, you know, a, an absence um, for a considerable amount of time. And then maybe with enough time, maybe he can, you know, redeem himself somehow to the Blackpool Combat Club and, and, and ask for um uh, for forgiveness, but for the for the time being, it seems like we're not going to have William Regal on our TVs on either side of things, and that surprised me here. You know, um, the fact that I think you had that um, breakup with MJF so soon uh, after after he, he turned, um, and, and, not, and not giving this, and, and maybe just the idea that it would put sympathy on Regal, but you know, coming out of that pay per view and the loss, like you could have done, like Moxley takes this guy out, and that's. Um, I mean, it's it, it's it's it, this is why I think it's so brilliant. You're using Regal here to build up to Danielson challenging Max. I I, th- I think this was the better play. Like by the end yeah. of this, Danielson feels like the big match. Yeah, and, and you really you have two of them in Moxley and Danielson. And after this segment, I mean, you've thrown out like you have the Starks. That's a TV program. Kingston should be somewhere yeah. down the road. Like he it's was a, very a, clearly a, brought a, up yeah, with it, with links to these guys, and then yeah, like. Like Danielson, like you, you had that show in Seattle. Like that's that's a pretty big match for Seattle. I I think when is full, uh, when is Revolution March? Okay, that's pretty far. So pretty <laughs> I don't know if they'll make it yeah, that far. But I mean, it it feels like it's something that might be like better. Like it's good enough for a pay per view. Um, so I don't know if they can carry it on for for that long. But um, like Danielson's the 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 strongest challenger I think you have right now because it's a fresh match. Um, it, it, Danielson hasn't really been in a, a, a title situation. I feel it in a long, long time, at least on pay per view, uh, ever. Um, so I think it's a good direction, and I think they've done a great job of laying the foundation here. Last week, when you had Moxley and Danielson kind of get in into it over William Regal, I thought they might have been setting something up between Moxley and Danielson, but it turns out it was just all groundwork for Danielson versus MJF. 
Um, I thought all of that was done really well. I agree with you. I thought maybe the segment, I, I rarely feel like MJF segments drag, but I kind of felt that way because I, I, I sense we're getting a lot of like generic kind of like heel, you know, bravado rather than like, it was all, it was a really long time to go as well. Like it was Mm -hmm. like, he went uninterrupted for over 10 minutes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But, but I love the belt reveal. Um, I, I think when he started, you know, getting into his future opponents and, and Danielson specifically, that was great. And then the turn, I thought really clinched it and, and made this to me one of the, a really memorable segment by the end. Like this, this one segment has sort of like set up like months of stuff mm-hmm. like that you draw from those 10, 12 minutes uh, as well. So uh, like overall, I, I really did enjoy this by the end. Um, I, I really love the angle with, with Regal, with what they've done with Danielson, how they handled the Blackpool Combat Club. Like this was a really well thought out angle. And, and I agree with you. Like this, like if you are in fact, uh, writing off Regal, like you did it in a way here that, you know, you got, like what's the best you can get is more heat on your top heel and Danielson having a reason to fight for this guy. And he gave, you know, that compelling performance last week talking about what, how Regal was able to salvage a relationship with Danielson's father. Yeah. I, I thought Danielson was awesome last week. Totally. And it, it was like the crowd he almost had to overcome who were like, you know, they they were chanting like, like bullshit and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just thought Danielson was tremendous in that segment and, um, this is a, a, a great, you know, chapter two. I think, you know, you, you, we can look back now and ask if they wanted to get into this final direction here with MJF versus Danielson over William Regal get, getting attacked. Did Regal need to turn? Uh, and obviously I think for the, to round out this story, the answer is absolutely yes. Um, because it ended so well with, you know, MJF delivering the same lines Regal gave to him via the, that email here. Um, but also without that turn on Moxley, we wouldn't have had reason to see how much Danielson loves Regal to protect him even when he turned on the group. That's how much he cares about this guy. You know, even when he betrays his faction, he's willing to defend him. Um, I, I, I think last week did a great job of showing how much, you know, Danielson loves Regal and that perfectly set up the sympathy for the attack here. So he was taken out on the stretcher. They replayed it afterwards. I mean, for, for all the times like AEW, it's like on to the next thing, on to the next thing. They, they did try to put a lot of focus on this mm-hmm. and he's uh, loaded into the ambulance. Danielson leaves with him and, and then the announcers are, uh, they're very somber, but the show must go on. And with that, Ricky Starks is out to, uh, annihilate Ari Davari. Um, but first Stokely Hathaway and Ethan Page come out along with Matt Hardy. So, the idea here is that Matt Hardy is is defying the orders of Stokely and Ethan Page, but now Ethan has told him that they are not going to take out any punishment on Matt Hardy. Instead, it will be private party that are punished that Matt Hardy has um, great affinity for. So they are they are putting pressure on Matt Hardy through what they could do to ruin private party's career. You know, we were presented with this like great serious segment. A man, um, you know, getting betrayed by by a new person that through years of, uh, I think, um, I don't know, uh, motive, unintentional motivation has finally accepted him and then uh, thrown him away. And then we get this contract bullshit with Matt Hardy. Like, I just, I, I, I thought we were done with this. This is like the longest running stupid thing I've, I think they're, they're managing to keep up for some reason. Um, I'm just not a fan. And, and like forcefully kind of shoving it into this as a reminder for us. 
I, I just didn't see the point. Well, Ethan Page is telling Matt that you will help me win the Battle Royal next week. And then Page is calling his shot and he will beat MJF after he's done with Starks at Winter is Coming. Yeah. And then Davari attacks, hits is hit with a spear and Rochambeau and Starks wins in 26 seconds. Yeah, really just the backdrop for that promo from Page to, I guess, continue a program with Starks, you know, heading into the Battle Royal and then maybe coming out of it as well. Um you know, putting some spotlight on Starks, uh, as we mentioned, you know, in his run up to the title challenge. Uh, yeah, fine. They need a big week next week with Ricky Starks to do he something. He needs a big promo. Significant. Because you know, all the attention is just, I mean, this week it's on Danielson versus MJF, which is perfectly fine, but um, Starks needs to put the attention on him. Shivani is with Jamie Hayter, Baker, and Rebel, and they mentioned that. Uh, Soraya will be having a, an interview with Renee on Rampage. Uh, Baker makes fun of uh, the the Colts getting beat by the Steelers. And then Hater says that Shivani should do a sit-down interview with her next week. It's like, you're in the middle of an interview segment, and she's saying, next week you should do an interview with me. So he's like, okay, we'll do an interview next week. So to wrap up this interview, come back next week for the interview segment. But we're going to sit. There's a lot of this. Yeah. Um uh, there wasn't much substance to to this. You know, yeah. this is just another way to announce what's coming up. Um, yeah. More talking. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to review Dynamite sometime? <laughs> yeah, let's... Uh, let's maybe, review Dynamite tomorrow, okay? Plan to do it in two weeks. Well, let's get back to the Dynamite review. Yeah. <laughs> Anna Jay against Willow Nightingale. I'm sorry, this is just such a ludicrous like request. Like, who would... Silly. <laughs> Ty Mello's in the corner. Um, dude, Willow Nightingale without fail. Like, doesn't matter where they go. These crowds just get into her. And this crowd, like, lifted this match up. Like, they were really into Willow Nightingale in this. Um, Anna Jay controlled her through the picture in picture. Uh, but then it's, uh, she hits a gory bomb for a two. The crowd is chanting Willow, um, which I think was designed for her and not for, uh, Jeff Hardy to return as a, a character from Omega. Mm. The Queen Slayer gets broken, and then Willow slams her to the mat. The Doctor Bomb is stopped when Ty Mello gets on the apron, and then uh, Jay tries a rolling leg cradle, lariat counter by Willow, and hits the Doctor Bomb. Seven and a half minutes, strong reaction uh, to the win, and I-, I just think more so it was the crowd really into Willow Nightingale. Right, yeah. As For, always, for, for, for what know? was a cold match on the show. Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't know how much Willow Nightingale is, is ever really promoted on this show. Maybe the occasional promo, maybe the occasional multi-woman match. But beyond that, like, she's way exceeded, I think, her push in terms of crowd reaction, even from the get-go. Something is just incredibly intangible about her uh, that makes her an incredibly strong baby face. But um, I thought the match itself, I actually quite enjoyed, too. I was actually impressed by both of them here. Willow, I feel like, a, you know, was already at a, at a pretty high level. But I thought her work here looked especially strong and, and you know, uh, hard-hitting. Um, and she finally got a win on TV in a singles capacity. So I hope it means something significant for her. Maybe maybe at Final Battle, maybe maybe somewhere else. Um I was also impressed by Anna Jay too. I thought she could, you know, continue to show improvement every single time she's out there in ring. Yeah, it was it was, it was a fight. It was a fine match and a crowd that was that, that got into it. That you know, sometimes you know, you can see these matches that they it's it's just cold going in and the audience mm-hmm. is kind of checked out. That was not the case here. But the angle occurred after the match when 
Ruby Soho's music hits, and Ty Mello is ready for her in the ring, but she shows up from behind. She's back from her broken nose, sustained at All Out, and big reaction here. Uh, the crowd is chanting, welcome home, as Ruby is fr- uh, from nearby, and she hits Destination Unknown to Ty Mello on the ramp. And uh, did, did not realize that she was from nearby. That That kind of made it pretty perfect, didn't it? Great reaction for her tonight. Yeah, so she is back in... I guess we'll do a match with uh with Ty Mello at a uh, a date to be determined. So uh, yeah, several returns up, on this show with Hangman and Ruby Soho. Picking up off of the uh of course the uh, injury from that brutal match. Oh god. Uh, that she had with her and, and Sammy Guevara. Yeah. Um yeah. Um, I remember watching that on the the pre-show. I'm like, "Wow, this is going to be the worst moment of all out." <laughs> oh man. Was it that long ago? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I'm sure they'll reference a lot of those spots, and hopefully this time, um, no one gets injured. But um, you know, it's the right program to go back to. Jade Cargill is coming out with the baddies, Red Velvet and Layla Gray. No Kira Hogan after she was fired, and Jade says she made the baddies. She decides who stays and who goes. And I got rid of the trash last week. So she brings up why were you two hanging with her this past weekend? And they just kind of stand there. There's like no context added here. Like they must have Instagram something. And, and was this an, some sort of explanation? I guess. I, okay. Yeah. Maybe they were at WrestleCade or something. I don't know. She's done playing games and to stay next to her is a blessing. So you either get in line or you step. I'm the brightest star in AEW. No one has her body, her face, or her aura. I put asses in seats. I wrestle for bad bitches. I create careers and Bow Wow is a joke. And then sensing that he is being talked about, Bow Wow joins us by satellite on screen and says he has done his tour. So I've got a lot of time on my hands and I'll be seeing you real soon. So Bow Wow is coming to AEW. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was wondering where they were going with this and it appears we're actually getting a, like a real feud between Jade Cargill and Little Bow Wow. Um, it, like, it, when you watch the TV, it, like, you're, you're led to believe that they're going to have a match. Sure. Do a match. I mean, are we allowed internet, intergender matches on, on Dynamite? Well, if there's, if there's one to break the mold, this is it. I mean, I'm certainly interested. I'd love to see how that'll turn out in ring. Um, but I guess that there's a good chance that maybe he'll introduce somebody else. Um, oh, to, if only he had the rights to to Butch. <laughs> yes, maybe. I mean, I want to see him get in the ring. I want to see him wrestle Jade Cargill. You know, Action Bronson. Yeah, I don't know. No, I don't, I don't know if that that's that's quite quite as interesting to me. But Snoop um, Dogg comes back. Follow up to his frog splash. Yeah, yeah. Th- there is connection. I I, I thought um, Jade Cargill came across tremendously in this segment. Um, in ring. We we kind of know where she's at, but I think on the microphone she continues to just be really war justifying, you know, this this tidal rain and and just everything she she just like exudes. Everything she said was true. Like she she just has like this incredible charisma about her and this incredible confidence that she's able to back up with her her uh, mic skills at this point that I think. Uh, make her really special and somebody worthy of being on all the video game covers despite, despite her in-ring experience. So she was great here. Yeah, she came off. She came off very well. 
Rampage on Friday, back at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Orange Cassidy against QT Marshall for the All-Atlantic title in a lumberjack match. They did a segment earlier where QT asked for the match. Orange Cassidy said, sure. Well, I want a lumberjack match. Okay, sure. So it's made for Friday. <laughs> Swerve in our glory will speak. Darby Allen versus Cole Carter. Renee's sit down with Soraya. And Private Party taking on Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Yeah, Jeff Jarrett match. TV. On Rampage, that's right. Mm-hmm. Then we go to the acclaimed, and Billy Gunn is playing the drill sergeant, asking why they don't have a match on Dynamite. And then they announce that they will give out a tag title shot on Friday against whoever the second best team is, and then they scissor. So then they state, we will hear from the acclaimed on Friday. I guess they're going to name a team, and then they'll wrestle them at a future date. That's what I do. Like give out, they mean announce. Yeah. No, I I know the wording was probably a bit confusing here. They're going to give out a tag title shot. They're not going to have the tag title match on Friday. When somebody says they're going to give out a tag title shot on such and such date, you you expect the match to occur there. Maybe they'll have a certificate to hand out, and then you get to redeem it at a future date. Sure, yeah. And then Wednesday, next week, we have the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal. Claudio and Yuta, who got caught in a tag match with Daniel Garcia, the negotiator, and Jake Hager. And the main event of the show will be Tony Schiavone sitting down with Jamie Hayter to talk. Okay. I, I look couches, lav mics on. Hmm. This is not going to be some backstage uh, pull apart. This is going to be a long sit down. Well, the expect story- a half hour, no less. Sort of like the background story has been like uh, Britt Baker, you know, stepping into Jamie Hader's spotlight, even though Jamie Hader has the, the championship right now. So could this be, you know, Jamie Hader's way of getting a, a one-on-one and it will Britt Baker somehow interrupt that too? Maybe Jamie Hader will uh, be sitting down and then Shivani will get kicked out and Baker will want to do the interview. Or she'll answer okay. for Jamie Hader. In a one-on-one setting somehow. Yeah. Yeah. The main event, Death Triangle against the Elite. It is match number three. The Elite come out to Kansas, and then they go after Death Triangle on the ramp before the bell rings, and they had a lengthy brawl before this match finally began. Um, They held Pac at the bottom of the ramp for Omega to run down with a V-trigger, but he's caught with a kick from Pac, and the Lucha Brothers follow with cutters, so they continue brawling as we go to (laughs) picture-in-picture. And this picture-in-picture included um, Pac hitting a moonsault off the stage, Matt then delivering a high cross off the stage, and then they come back from break, they get into the ring, the bell rings, and the crowd pops for the beginning of the match. Uh, Pac and Phoenix take apron bombs, then Penta is attacking all three, and then Matt misses Penta taking out referee Rick Knox. Alex Ebrahantis passes the hammer over to Penta, and after hitting a Topicon hero to the three of them, he gets the hammer. The crowd does not want to see him use this, so Phoenix takes the hammer away. He doesn't want Phoenix to use it, but Penta snatches it back. Penta is full on, listen, we've had success with this hammer. We're going to use this thing, and they argue until Omega nails Phoenix with the B-trigger and then one to Penta as well. Uh, we see super kicks from the elite, triple dives off of the same turnbuckle by Death Triangle. And then Omega drills Pac in the mask. Pac heads butts him back, Falcon Arrow off the top. And then we go through another picture in picture. Uh, Nick and Phoenix were in for their tremendous chemistry. Nick and Matt catch him. The Meltzer driver gets stopped. This is at the point where I was, uh, 
Welcome back to Dynamite Reviews for me. And then more bang for your buck is hit. Penta makes the save. And we get the foot stomp into the Fear Factor. Phoenix just dives into the abyss where the it's like the hard camera is on him. And he just flies off the side. And it's almost like worth it that they don't catch it. Where you're just your mind is like, how the hell did he land? Um hmm. So he's off into the distance, and then there's a brain buster to Matt, kicks out, and then the black arrow is set up by Pac. Matt gets up his knees and cradles Pac, and they win in 12 minutes and 17 seconds. So the Elite are on the board as Death Triangle has a 2-1 lead. Uh, They are off next week and then come back for match number four at Winter is Coming, and we got a goodbye and goodnight from Kenny Omega. Yeah, with like... I don't know if he was just trying to like, you know, burn the rest of the, like the minutes on this show, but he didn't have a whole, a whole lot of time to d- deliver any sort of real message. Um, so it was nice, you know, to hear the elite close the show off again. This was another crazy match. Um, as you would expect, I think from, from these two, they started things off a little bit differently with all the outside inter- uh, inter- interaction and, and stunts on the ramp. Um, so it's trying to keep things fresh in the, in that sense. I, think back in the ring it was you know much the same like and and spectacular so you know if you enjoy the other two i don't know if this would have uh made you kind of tired of it yet um i wonder i wonder how how much more uh people can can kind of like stand with it but i think the break will help we had a continuation of the hammer story um it was introduced but never used in the match itself though phoenix was you know visibly upset with the other two afterwards for considering it yeah um I mean, I, I'm not going to get tired of this, but I, I can see like having having a week off, it, it will make you anticipate the next one um, that much more. And it's going to be tough to do seven, you know, different matches as well. Like that's it, it's pretty tough, but no negative chance for the elite at all. Like they like this was a babyface reaction for them. So it wasn't like a carryover uh, from last week. Like th- there are really no chance like that were, um, you know, out of the ordinary in this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, not at all. And I didn't really expect them. So the show, um, I, I thought it was bookended by two very, very strong matches and, and a, a big angle in the middle of it with, uh, MJF and William Regal. So I, I thought it was a strong episode overall with those three elements attached to them. I like the, the handling of Moxley and Hangman on the show as well. And sort of that, I, I'm, I'm really into this Blackpool Combat Club, um, kind of, um, disarray that they are involved in. I my favorite stuff on the show was everything to do with Danielson and Regal, you know, and and the seeds that they're already sowing for Danielson versus MJF. Um, I my anticipation for that one uh, escalated a whole lot more after tonight. All right, well there you have it, Dynamite. They go into uh, I believe Texas next week, and then uh, Winter is coming in two weeks. So I think it's. Uh, Anyway, I think it's it's back to back Texas dates coming up in the uh, in the next two weeks, and we will open it up and open it up to your super chats, forum feedback, or uh, if you sent us any snail mail, I can check my mailbox. Okay, you can go and um, look right now, John. But for now, I will go to forum.postwrestling.com for some of your feedback. Start things off with MJ from NJ, who says, uh, as I sat in my elite jersey tonight on the edge of my seat for game three, there was a little too much pomp and circumstance from the elite coming out of the locker room down zero to two. But you know what they say, series don't start until the home team loses. They should lean into the MJF reigns of terror. It's cute. Cowboy shit made Dynamite feel like Dynamite again. You know what else did? No ROH. 
What's up with Hulu live shadow banning AEW Dynamite? Couldn't get it to come up without searching explicitly for it. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. Have no no thought. We don't get Hulu here. Um. Okay, he's asking if we are considering changing the lyrics of the song that starts the show because Cody Rhodes is not on the show anymore. No, we're we're not. Oh, okay. He's he's saying, um, was it prophetic that where we're going, we don't need roads, uh, but was used in the lyric because we actually don't have roads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's actually it's, it's actually more accurate now. I, I um, yeah, uh, Jacob predicted it very accurately. All right, let's keep going here. We have uh, quite a few pieces of feedback here. Matthew, strong opener and main event. I really like the different approach to the trios match to make it different from the first two. Was it me or did it sound like no one really cared about MJF in his promo and even less cared about Jade? I thought Dominic and Rhea Ripley got more heat. Not sure, but that's how it came off to me. I definitely think no one cares about Bow Wow. What does that even lead to? It's good that there looks to be a lot lined up for MJF. Um you know, as, as we pointed out, like the MJF promo, like it was, it was going a long time, but I, I don't think anyone's going to focus on that because you got a major payoff at, at the end. And that was the, the focus of it. Yeah. I didn't sense like that quiet of a, or that different of a reaction for Jade Cargill. Um, I thought she came across great to me. So I, maybe, maybe you had a different read and maybe others did. Let's go to Saeed from Vancouver who says a fun dynamite that flew by, especially the first hour. I'm going to safely assume that the medical staff does things wrong on purpose when it's not a real injury. But I'm curious how Regal got busted open. Uh, Yeah, he was like bleeding from the mouth. And I didn't know if that was supposed to be something like he had internal bleeding or if someone like I wasn't paying close attention. If like one of the EMTs like knocked into him or or, or something Hmm. like that. Oh, okay. Dax Danison was match of the night for me. I'm scared to see where this battle thing is going. Love seeing them building matches for NJF. We now have Starks, Kingston, Danielson, and the winner of the Battle Royal. Another fun main event. Anybody who thinks these six can't keep it going for seven matches is wrong. We go to Steve. That was the best episode of Dynamite in a long time. From the amazing opener to the incredible main event. Great MJF segment. Wish it was a bigger crowd, but they were an awesome crowd. Really happy to see Ruby Soho back. She is what the women's division needs to freshen it up. Nine pre-rolls out of ten. Looking forward to MCU later tomorrow. Well, we hope we uh, live up to expectations, Steve. Or at least I do. Thank you, Steve. Let's go to a super chat here. From the YouTube, from Matt, who sends $5. Thank you so much for the support, Matt. He says, do you think they should have put an elite death triangle match on Rampage? It would be interesting to see if it would pop a rating. You know, when when last week's number was so strong, um, you know, there, you could probably look at several factors. But, like, I wouldn't discount, like, the fact that the elite were wrestling on TV for the first time since their comeback. Like, if you didn't see the pay-per-view, that was your first time to see them on TV since the whole um, the, the whole all-out debacle. So I felt that was something. And you're coming off a super hot match at the pay-per-view that, you know, I, I thought that was as much credence as, as anything coming off the pay-per-view as well. Um I think it's more telling that they didn't put one of them on on Rampage. And yeah, I I certainly feel like if you are trying to build up Rampage, like you could spare one of them to go on. And they're clearly looking at it that where are we going to get the maximum audience? And it's on Wednesday and not Friday. So I would say it's more telling than than anything that they felt like these seven, um, they are we want to put them on Wednesday and not like there are certain matches that are going to be too big for Rampage. That's the message I take from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, at this point, I kind of wonder what what the um, you know 
what the play is for Tony Khan and Dynamite and Rampage. Is it to just kind of get the average rating for a Dynamite up high enough that you can show, you know, TNT later on or, or Turner later on to be able to say, hey, we're averaging this much. And so are you trying to just keep, you know, Dynamite as high as possible while Rampage just kind of sits, you know, uh, on the side um, as a bonus? Um, is it a bit of a lost cause? You know, uh, we haven't really seen him do much to try to rehab it. He's been putting the hardcore, like diehard fans attractions on there instead, which I don't think are necessarily there to boost ratings. So I feel like it's strategically, um, maybe it doesn't fit with, with the model, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just what, when you looked at that layout, like it, it certainly was, you know, no, noticeable. And, you know, you can look at, at the lineup this week. Like, it's it's a certain level they will go to at, at Rampage. Like, we're getting, you know, a Jeff Jarrett match, All-Atlantic title match. Like, that is, it It certainly does feel as though, it like, there, there's a ceiling to what they want to put out on, on Fridays uh, with the belief that, like, how much are we going to grow the audience? Which which could be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, we've seen, you know, Rampage, it it has shown in the past, it can do higher than the levels it's it's presently commanding. Uh, up, up next, we go to Mr. Kane, who says a great night. Oh, sorry. You, your turn, John. Okay. Uh, great night of wrestling. Really thought Hangman looked strong in that pull apart, getting the best of Moxley and really laying, laying it in. Dax and Brian had an incredible match. What a pleasure watching the sequence of those two pros perform in that squared circle. It's art that MJ promo was long, stretching to reach that hour mark, obviously. Even after laying out Regal, a significant number of fans won't boo MJF like the heel he's made himself out to be. I think that does matter in the long run when you need a clear babyface to chase and he's getting a mixed reaction next to MJF. The main event once again delivered and this time more focused on the story and the wrestlers than any reference to the backstage issue and I'm glad for it. Do you guys think Eddie Kingston gets a program with MJF next year and do you see money in that match? I I think it's very clear that that's uh, when they do it um, I, I do think like that could be built up very effectively and I don't think his name was thrown out there by mistake so I think you would expect that they go to that when when, when the timing is is ready. I think the promo battle will be tremendous if given the airtime. Uh, I think the fan interest and the fan interaction and the and the participation and atmosphere will be off the charts. Also, depending on maybe where they do it, you know, um, but it, really anywhere in the world, I think that's you have one of the best baby faces and one of the best heels in the company. So is it a money match? Meaning like, are they what they save it for a pay-per-view? Um, probably not. You know, probably not not a big enough challenger for for a pay per view. Just to hear though. MJF like, it's like the, these are what you call the four pillars. I'm the real pillar. <laughs> I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. just great. Like his disdain for like Japanese wrestling. I mean, there's there's some great stuff that they can draw from there. Yeah, totally. Uh, let's go up next to NVPF. MVP film who says, while not as strong as last week's show, which I thought was one of the best dynamites of the year, I still found this edition to be a rather strong one with a hot opening segment featuring the surprising return of Hangman, a great match between Dax and Danielson, and a killer main event that once again proved that the elite and death triangle are more than capable of making the best of seven series not only feel special, but are able to make each match feel different. Two big questions coming out of the show, at least for me, are Regal's status as the attack from NJF could be seen as a permanent write-off of Regal or a temporary exit before returning. We we spoke uh, at length about that. And whatever is planned for Jaden Bowow, either him aligning with Kira Hogan, a Danish intergender match that nobody needs, or something else. Yeah. I don't know if a Bowow-Kira Hogan tandem is is going to be taken all that seriously. 
um, against Jade Cargill. It would have to be somebody else, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they have a direction for it and, and hoping that, that Bow Wow brings, you know, so, something for, for Jade to, to work off of that this, this gets some kind of like, this is all about Jade and, and getting her some attention. Yeah, I'm not sensing intergender tag match. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think AEW and, and Turner are willing to go that route, maybe just yet. Um, sorry, intergender match, um, singles, um, maybe an intergender tag or more likely maybe Bow Wow coming out with, with somebody and then maybe, maybe Bow Wow takes on Mark Sterling. Uh, okay. You, you could do that. Yeah. Jomo writes, Kenny was sending the home, the crowd home happy with an enjoy pro wrestling promo before the fight feed cut. The main event saved what I thought was an otherwise bland show. Solid opener, but Joe looks slow, and I think MJF takes 10 minutes to get across five minutes of material. Starting the main event with a wild outside brawl that certainly didn't slow down during commercial breaks kept me interested from the jump, though. And the mini stories like the hammer or the long-running one-upsmanship between Nick and Phoenix are great threads to watch. And I love the ending. Tony was putting over how difficult the mask was making things for, pa- things for Pac, and the way he sold those knees on the way down looked brutal, so I totally bought it as a worthy ending. Pac really sold me again here as one of the top guys in the world on offense selling moves his character work he's the best i'm actually pumped for a week off of the series so both teams can sell the win and the loss can fire up the whole thing again for winter is coming and then lastly we got a mug in who says harwood versus danielson was my match of the night match three of elite versus death triangle comes damn close MJF's first promo as world champion did its job of getting heel heat despite being a little long-winded. I had a gut feeling he would jump Regal since he doesn't need a mouthpiece. Hangman Page returning was a nice surprise, and I bet we can pencil him and Moxley for winter is coming. All right. Thanks, everyone, for the feedback tonight to uh, AEW Dynamite as they close off the the month of November. Uh, But we are diving into December, so it's going to be um, a very busy month at Post Wrestling. We will have uh, many announcements to come, many special shows over the next uh, number of weeks. So a great time to jump aboard postwrestlingcafe.com. You will not want to be left left in the in the in the, in the dust as all all the in cool the snow. kids left in the snow. Yes. Yeah. Don't don't get frozen out of the post wrestling cafe. Video viewers can go to video.postwrestling.com where you can get same content but only in video form. So that is exclusive to video.postwrestling.com members. Also, if you prefer to stick on Apple Podcasts, which is still our most popular podcast platform, you can get a seven-day free trial of the Post Wrestling Cafe by simply going over to our main page and uh, signing up for the free trial and enjoying the cafe. All right. So uh, Cafe members will be back Thursday night with MCU later chatting about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. And then next week, Rewind Away covering WWF Superstars from May 30th, 1992, featuring Nails, Papa Shango, the Ultimate Warrior, and the Legion of Sissies. All of that coming up next Tuesday as we go back 30 years to Superstars. Man. Wow. Okay. A 45-minute watch way. Sign me up. All right. That's it for us. Thanks to everyone for tuning in to Rewind and Dynamite. We'll speak with you on Thursday night. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. 
Shop now at Hero.co.